Hello, and welcome to episode one of The Journey to Perfection. I'd like to start with an amusing story. I was living and working in a small seaside town in Virginia. I would go into my office suite early each day, and on the way down the hallway, I'd greet my across-the-hall neighbor. He was a businessman, and I would greet him with, Hey, how are you doing this morning? His response was always the same. Perfect, he would announce with a bright smile. I liked this greeting so much that I decided to adopt it for myself. It was positive and encouraging, at least to me. The first time someone greeted me and asked, how are you, Mike? I answered, perfect, using my brightest smile. The other person looked quizzically at me and said, oh, well, perfect, huh? Must be nice. Well, that response was not what I was expecting at all. I felt disappointed and let down. I wondered what went wrong. I guess it seemed as if I was bragging. But I was trying to be positive and encouraging. I didn't mean that I was perfect. I meant that things were perfect. And in my opinion, that's how I felt. I continued to mutter to myself and stew over this matter. And then this thought came to me. Why would I ever tell anyone that things are perfect when I know they're probably not? Or are they? After all, I am a Christian, and by virtue of my relationship with God through Jesus, my sinful and failed past has been forgiven and forgotten. My present life is made secure, and I'm loved and provided for by God. He says that no weapon formed against me can be effective. My future is assured as a child of God. I'll spend eternity with him in my father's home. Well, I guess things are perfect, and they only get better with time. Sure, I have all the struggles and troubles of everyone else, but I have a hope and a purpose and the strength of God Almighty to see me through these things. Perfect. And they couldn't be any better, could they? Well, they can be, and you know why? Because I've tried to make things better, and I cannot. Only God can. And you know what else? It appears that our world is careening out of control. Everything we've known as good as recorded history is being called evil now, and all things evil are being called good. The world substitutes darkness for light and light for darkness, bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. There are those who would have you and I believe that all is well and that we have entered a new world order. A great new world reset is now at hand. But if you'll patiently walk with me, I'll take you on an amazing journey. A journey from the beginning of time through the Bible, through recorded world and biblical histories, and we'll identify important past biblical prophecies and correlate them to the actual past world events. And we'll compare both the prophecies and the histories to one specific prophecy known as Daniel's 70 weeks, which will bring us to the current events in the final epoch of time known by various names such as the last days, the end of the age and latter days, and the tribulation, which are now unfolding with frightening accuracy. I will not stop there, however. I will conclude by laying out a successful response to these events, a plan of action by which you and I can both survive and thrive in these final days. Finally, there is an event coming which is so fantastic as to be unbelievable but I will show the evidence leading to this event known as the rapture, and I will help you calculate the odds of its occurrence. 
you will then be faced with the most monumental decision you've ever faced. And you don't want to miss this. We'll take a journey assisted by a book aptly named The Journey to Perfection. Our travels will coordinate Bible prophecy, world histories, culminating in the end days. And you can either read the book later as a digital online book or in PDF format as a gift from me to you. Let's begin in episode one. The Bible clearly states that God created all that has been seen. There is a lot of speculation and conjecture and some reasoning as to why God created things, but there's no definitive statements in the Bible as to why, why God created the heavens and the earth in the first place. But according to the Bible, he did create all things seen and unseen. And if that weren't enough, God also created humans, or as the Bible puts it in the Genesis, book of Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, according to our likeness. This is a major event. In fact, this is the seminal event of all creation. God is making a cre creature he calls mankind, or if you prefer, humankind, in his, or more correctly stated, in their own image and according to their likeness. Before we get to the creation of mankind, we can see that God begins to set things in a specific order and to give them function and purpose and preparation for his masterpiece work, the arrival of mankind. And let them, mankind, rule over fish, the sea, the birds, the sky, over livestock and all the earth and over every crawling thing that crawls on earth, were God's words. In the midst of his creation, an odd thing occurs. This is an event, an occurrence, in the creation of mankind, which is completely overlooked by the vast majority, if not all, Bible teachers. And this is a bit technical, but please pay particular attention to this. It's a game changer. Genesis 1, verse 27 so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The wording of this verse, as it was written in the original Hebrew language, would be aligned a little differently, like this. So created God, man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. It's important that we pause and define some of these words and terms so we can have a fuller understanding. Created comes from the Hebrew word bara. It means to shape, create in a formative process, or to make fat, healthy. The word God, Elohim, here in the Hebrew, means God or very great, but it's plural. It's God's in the ordinary sense, but specifically used signifying God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. God was at work. Next is the word man. The word in the Hebrew is Adam or Adam, meaning mankind, ruddy, a human being, an individual or a species of mankind. But the idea of ruddy gives us a picture of birth. Rubbed red literally is what it means. The next term is in the image from the Hebrew word selem. And this is very important. It is an image, but it's more than that. It's a mere empty image. It's just a semblance. It's a vain show. It comes from a root word meaning to shade, a phantom, an illusion, a resemblance, 
a representative figure, uh, an idol, but it is not the original. It's of dubious character. Now that's found in the Hebrew word. The next word, male, is zakar, and female is naga. And these are sexual forms of the word. Notice here that God clearly created two genders, and only two, male and female. It's only in these latter days that we have gone away from God and rebelled and began to make things up in our own image. Genesis 1 verse 27 uses a form of, uh, in using a form of transliteration, transliteration would sound this way. So God, very great and mighty, in the plural, specifically signifying that it's God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, created and shaped through a formative process, man, ready, the human being of the species of mankind in his own image. Yet it was an empty image, a semblance, just a vain show, a shadow, a phantom, an illusion of the real thing. Yet God, having potential of being very great and mighty and consisting in the plural of an ordinary cause, he created him and shaped him through this process and he made him male and female. Let's review what we see. God used in the plural represents God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God created mankind in his own image, but it was a vain image, just an illusion of dubious character. In other words, he created man and woman deliberately with a flaw, and we were destined to fail. Please note this can't be overemphasized. This is crucial to understanding the rest of creation, the fall, sin, death, redemption, and the coming of Christ, and ultimately the end of the age, as the destruction of the heavens and the earth and the making of a new heaven and earth come. Verse 28 says this, God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over it. Rule over the fish, the sea, and over the birds of the sky, over every living thing on the earth. Verse 29, Then God said, Behold, I've given you every plant, yielding seed that's on the surface of the earth, and every tree which has fruit yielding seed. It shall be good for you. Verse 30, And to every animal of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and everything that moves on the earth which has life, I have given every green plant for food. And so it was. And God saw that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 record the completion of creation. And it's not swamp goo. Then in the beginning of verse 4, the Bible recounts God's creation and man and woman in great detail. A careful study reveals some startling facts. Read with me. Genesis 2, verse 7 says, Then the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living person. Let's look at the words in the language of the Bible, which is Hebrew. Now be patient and let's be deliberate here. The wording of the verse written in Hebrew would be aligned as such. He formed Yahweh God, man, from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils a breath of life, and he became a living being. Again, let's define a few of these words for clear understanding. The word formed, Yatsar, 
is an earthen fashion or form or a frame with a purpose. It's the idea of squeezing into shape to mold a form uh, like a potter would do. But again, it's a picture of birth, of childbirth, the squeezing and painful. Uh, Yahweh is Jehovah the Lord. He is the self-existent one, the one who has always existed, Jehovah God. Uh, man, again, is Adam, ready. Uh, he's a lowly degree, but a person, a creation of God. The dust is the ashes of the earth, the mortar, powder, and rubbish. And of the ground, it's the country, the uh, type of earth that uh, gives growth and uh, increase. And breathe is nafak. It means to blow breath or to give up. But it also has the uh, indication to lose life. It's seething. It's a violent action. This is what God did when he breathed into man. Genesis 2, verse 7, if transliterated, says this, Then the Lord Jehovah, the self-existent, eternal God, formed, fashioned, and framed as a potter and maker with purpose, the squeezing into shape of man, a ruddy human being into the individual species of mankind. He was a lowly sort, a common sort, mean of low degree, a person of dust and ashes, mortar, powder, and rubbish from the ground soil, and its general redness as husbandry land and breathe breath, giving up part of himself as God, causing himself to lose life as seething and snuffing to the nostrils and face by rapid breathing and passion and anger. The breath of an angry puff of vital breath of divine inspiration and intellect, blast of breath of inspiration, soul and life, hence raw flesh became alive with the appetites of a wild beast, but lively. And the man, a ready being, an individual species of mankind, became a living creature, a living person, alive, raw flesh. What do we see? Again, in recap, God has always existed and is eternal. He is the creator of life. He creates life of purpose and on purpose. Number four, this creation has all the imagery of childbirth, ready, squeezed, passionate, violent, painful, raw, and costly. And point number five, uh, being of passion with wild nature was man, and base appetites are created. Man is created with flaws, destined to fail, condemned, uh, condemned to death and separation from God. I would make two conclusions from the many possibilities. Number one, we're made uh, with both the power of choice and with a flaw, a flaw that doomed us to sin and to fail. We would be condemned, as all humankind was condemned, uh, to the curse of death and eternal death and destruction. But God did this with purpose, and his purpose is to perfect us, his children, so we could live with him and with one another in an eternal perfection. And he sent a savior, the remedy for the curse, and whoever would believe in him and follow him would be perfected into his image and would live. And number two, the reasonable thing here to do would be to follow the sequence of events, which we will follow the fall of mankind, the pronouncement of curse, the banishment from the Garden of Eden, and the separation of God and all the events that followed. But all of that's recorded in the Bible for you to read. This is just an overview of those events. And with the purpose of discovering of how we got to where we are now and how this all ends and what we're to do in response to these latter days leading to the last days and the end of the age, we will see the journey to perfection.